do you spend time with the corporate worship gathering, worshiping the name of Jesus? It always makes the first words kind of like hard to do. Because you just want to stay there. You just, want, you just want to stay there and remember that Jesus is worthy. I mean, that's really the answer to why we gather on Sunday. Why are we here? It's because of the worshipability of Jesus. It's because he's worthy. So let's go to him. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. Lord, we owe everything to you. You have given us all things in Christ, and we don't really even know how to say it in words, but you are worthy. You deserve all the glory and the praise. You are the lamb that was slain. To you belong honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. Amen. And Lord, I just pray that you would use your word this morning, the word that you have so blessed us with and given us to encourage us into deeper levels of reverence unto your name into a deeper understanding of who you are and what you have done in Jesus so that we can sing worthy is your name with even greater clarity and even greater understanding for you alone deserve it. You will not share your glory with another. And there is no one like you, God. And so we come before you this morning with our knees bowed and our hands lifted high, hearts surrendered, saying, Lord, help us to be hearers of your word and doers of your word, because you are worthy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Psalm 100 this morning. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. But I want to begin with an illustration. How many of you guys have ever had to plan a family road trip, or a road trip of some kind, where you had to determine... All the stops, the starts, and be prepared for the children's constant need to go to the bathroom. You have to know how to be ready for anything to go wrong, right? But there's a certain weight that you feel when you're doing a road trip, if you're the one who's like leading it. You feel the weight of, I've got to get us from point A to point B to point C, and who knows what could go wrong, and you have to plan it out ahead of time, or maybe you're more the flexible type, you're like, we're just going to start driving, we'll see how it goes. And then compare that with the experience of a tour bus. Have you guys ever been on a bus tour? Where you pay the ticket, you get on board, and they tell you when to start, when to stop, when to linger, when to get off, when to get back on. It's all there for you, so it takes all the pressure off of knowing, of having to know what's coming up next. You just let the bus guide you. And I think this is kind of an illustration of our prayer lives. Sometimes we feel this significant weight that I've got to know how to pray. I've got to know what to say. What do I say next? Where am I really going with this prayer? Why do I keep feeling like I'm praying the same prayer day after day after day? And we kind of feel this burden, the weight of our prayers, like we're the ones having to determine where it's got to go. But what if there was a bus tour that showed you how to pray? that showed you where to start and when to stop, when to linger, guess what there is? It's called the book of Psalms. The Psalms 
They guide us in our prayers so we know, okay, now I'm going to start here. And then it's going to literally say, Selah, which means stop (laughs) and linger here and think about what the Lord is saying in this part of the text. It guides us in our prayers both individually and corporately. And so I like to think of each psalm as a journey. When you come to the psalm, it's going to take you on a journey because the psalms really are a tour bus for our communion with God. Each psalm is like its own bus that's saying, here's where we're going to go, here's where it's going to take us, and it's going to be for our communion with the Lord. So this morning, welcome to four our tours. Reverence, response, request, and readiness. Some of those R's are like in all the Psalms. Some Psalms really lean into one or two of, one or two of them. But this morning, we are on the bus of reverence. Okay? Okay. <laughs> we are on the bus of reverence. And this reverence bus is going to show us how to worship and thank the Lord. You ready? Psalm 100. I should be turned now. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. I was waiting for it. So we got a couple. We got a couple. So the bus that we're on today, it says it right at the front. It's a, it's, a, it's a psalm for giving thanks. For giving thanks. How do, we, how do we give thanks? This first R that we're talking about is reverence. And the R inspires us to worship God for who he is and for what he has done. And so praise and thanksgiving and honor are due him. And this psalm is going to guide us in how to do that. It's going to show us how to give thanks. Now giving thanks implies that there's someone to thank. And there's a reason for thanking them. And this psalm is going to reveal who it is that we are thanking and why it is that we are thanking him. So let's look and see. Let's, let's get on and see where it takes us. We come into the psalm and immediately it becomes clear, this is not just any bus. This is a party bus. I mean, you come in and it's saying, make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's where we're starting. Okay, I wasn't ready for that, but you get on and it's, it's crazy. Everyone's jumping up and down, laughing, singing, shouting. People are blowing trumpets, tambourines are going. Pastor Rod and Pastor Ryan are having a break dancing dance off in the corner. Like I didn't know they could do that. But, but the reality is that the passengers are full of joy. They're full of joy, and it's not frivolous joy. It's not just a crazy joy. It's a joy that is aimed and directed to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. 
It's all aimed at the honor of God. And so the joy is setting in. And notice that this joy is not just saying like inside the bus. Like it's like got speakers. It's going out to the world. Because it's saying, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. All the earth is called to get in on this joy, on this celebration of who God is and of what he has done. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing hallelujah, as the hymn says. And so we're greeted with these three commands. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with thanksgiving. It's inviting us in to worship the Lord. And this morning, the sermon is not just a, you're a hearer of the word, you are also a doer of the word this morning. We're gonna do this. We are going to now make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now you're thinking, okay, what are we gonna like yell, scream? Like this is like, what are we doing here? Here's what we're gonna do. I want you to think about an attribute of God. Think about an attribute of God. Does everyone have one? When I say the Lord is, I want you to shout that attribute of God out loud. It's going to sound like noise to us, but guess who hears every single one of us? The Lord who is worthy of our praise. So here we go. You ready? The Lord is? Amen. We're going to do it again. Think of another one. Another attribute of God. If you can't think that fast, then just say the same one. All right? The Lord is? Praise. The Lord is? Praise. When I say all together, we're going to say praise the Lord. All together? Praise, praise the Lord. The Lord is? Praise. The Lord is? Praise. The Lord is? Praise. All together? Praise. praise the Lord. All together? Praise the Lord. Now, if you were just doing this in your car, that would be good but it wouldn't bring you the measure of joy it brings you when you are with God's people shouting the glory of God. We can be louder together. We can make a louder noise together. And it's not just noise for noise sake. It's not just like turn up the music so that it's louder. It's no, we are shouting who God is and why he's worthy of our praise. This is where the psalm is taking us. And so we're just following it as it guides us into the worship of God. Into the next stanza, we are introduced to who this God is. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. Why are we praising him? Because he is our creator. Why are we giving thanks to God? Because he owns everything and we owe him everything. If you remember what Paul preached when he was at the Acropolis in Greece in the book of Acts, he said, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The only reason why we are here today is because God is our creator and sustainer. The only reason why we will be here tomorrow is because God is our creator and sustainer. We have nothing apart from him. 
And so this joy is saying, know that he is God. It is he who has made us. And this is actually revealing because it shows us that humanity's core problem is a lack of reverence for God. It's why it's so important for us to begin with reverence for God because this is a huge distinction. In Romans 1, Paul says that the invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The problem with the world is that they don't recognize that God's the creator, that they don't give thanks to him. Humanity's core problem is ungratefulness. I mean, just think about it. Adam and Eve, you've got the whole garden. Let's go to the one tree we don't get. The nation of Israel, rescued from bondage in Egypt, redeemed from slavery, and yet they're asking, hey, where's the meat, God? Where, where is that? We should go back to Egypt. David, he's given victory and kingship and success and favor and glory, and yet he says, I need another woman in my life. I mean, parents in the room, when you look at your kids complaining about what they lack, after all you have given them and all you have sacrificed for them, and they are looking at you and they're saying, why am I not getting this? And you look at them and what do you see? But a mirror of your own heart and of my heart. Right? Because aren't we all prone to this? Aren't we all prone to this ungratefulness before God? And this is why we need this song to remind us the Lord is God. He has made us. Look at what he has done. Look at the breath he provides. Look at the life that he gives. He is God. And it gets even more amazing. That's just the creator part. Notice what it says next. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is where the gospel goodness comes in because this shows us why we're on the bus in the first place. God has made a way for us to be his. It's not just a past prayer for the people of Israel. Now through Jesus Christ, it's a prayer for all of God's people. Jesus' death and resurrection means that we, Jew and Gentile, are his, are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Jesus says this in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. He goes on in that chapter. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture because Jesus Christ has come to die for our sins and rise again from the dead that all nations might come to know that he is Lord, that he is worthy and worthy of worship. If if you will repent of your sin and believe in faith in Jesus Christ, you can get in on his love. You can get in to the bus of worship and reverence to God. And I think we need to pause here and recognize this amazing truth that, that we are not who we once were. We're not like the world in this way. Our eyes have been opened. Our ears have heard the good news of the gospel. And so our hearts have been changed so that now we give thanks to our creator who made us and our redeemer who saved us. And this is the, this is the reality. The gospel is the unshakable foundation for your thanksgiving. The gospel is your unshakable foundation for thanksgiving. Because you come into this psalm and you're thinking joyful noise, gladness, presence, singing. This seems very happy and everything in my life is not. How do I pray this prayer? I mean, consider your circumstances, consider your laments, consider your relationships, consider your trials. It seems so shaky, right? It seems so hard. It seems so difficult. What is going on with this psalm? Now, let me just say, this is not the only psalm. There are, the majority of psalms are lament psalms. So there are other bus tours to go on to guide you through those emotions. But even in the midst of our trials and tribulations and sufferings, there is something that cannot be shaken. And that is the fact that we are his. That can't be shaken. And so your thanksgiving can't be shaken because there is a reason to give God thanks and it's the gospel. He's the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for the sheep. And so the Bible calls us to give thanks in all circumstances because as those who are his, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of the good shepherd. And so we... Next stanza, enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We give thanks to him. We bless his name. If you remember when you were a kid, if you had to get into a room, you'd say, what's the secret password? And if they were nice children, it would be please. If they were mean children, it would be some impossible word that you would never be able to guess. But what's the secret password to get into the gates? I think here the the psalm is teaching us it's thank you. It's thank you. It's this heart that says I'm coming to give thanks to God because he has made me and he has saved me. I am his and I want to give him glory and praise. This is who God is. I'm here to give him thanks. He is my good shepherd. He laid down his life for me. And so we're going to stop. We've heard this psalm, now let's stop and actually do this with one another. I'm going to ask you to turn 
and have a, Ellie can come up and start playing the piano. And we're going to gather together like we do normally in that prayer time. I want us to turn and pray with one another and say this together. Jesus, you are our shepherd. Thank you for, and just let that guide you into why are you thankful to Jesus, your good shepherd? And pray that with one another. So gather in groups of three or four right now. You can turn and just start praying together. You can, I'll cut you off when it's time. You can pray as long as you want. Jesus, you are our shepherd. Thank you for, and finish that prayer. Let's do this together. Let's pray as God's people who are his. Yet, figured out where this psalm is taking us. But if you stick with the bus illustration, it's like it's taking us to this scenic overlook where you get off and, and you step out and you look out at the, at the mountains and you're like, your, your, your mouth gasps and your heart stops and you're just like, oh, it's beautiful. And that's where the Psalm's taking us. Look what it says. We've, we've, it, it's taken us on this journey and now we're stepping off and here goes the Psalm. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We see it and we're like, it's beautiful. He is beautiful. He is good. When we enter the courts with praise and we bless his name, he reveals his glory to us. And you say, what? What does it mean to behold the glory of the Lord? Well, do you remember when Moses prayed, show me your glory? What did the Lord do? It says in the text, right at the verse, right after he says, Lord, show me your glory. The Lord says to him, I will let my goodness pass before you. You want to behold the glory of the Lord? You see the Lord's goodness and he will be gracious to whom he will be gracious and he will be merciful to whom he will be merciful in fact this very verse is alluding to that text because when in the next chapter when Moses gets the tablets the Lord reveals himself to him he reveals his name to Moses and he says I am the God full of mercy full of steadfast love showing steadfast love to thousands that steadfast love reality becomes the most quoted verse in all the Bible by the Bible every time it comes up in the Psalms it's it's Israel remembering who God revealed himself to be and praising him in light of his divine revelation. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is a truth about the character of God and it's connected very deeply to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because how is it that the Lord showed us his steadfast love in its most acute form. He showed us his steadfast love through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna read for you Romans 8. Romans 8, 31. 
one of the best texts in all scripture. <laughs> Listen to what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger or sword? Because as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Do you see what the text is saying? We're the sheep of his pasture. And oftentimes we're scratching our heads thinking, Lord, if I'm the sheep of your pasture, why is this so hard? Why the persecution? Why the suffering? Why the trial? We're like sheep being slaughtered here. You're gonna do something. But no, verse 37, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the steadfast love of the Lord that has endured forever, faithfulness to all generations. And we see it in the Son, Jesus Christ. And so we make a joyful shout to the Lord. We reverence his name. We honor his name with joy. The Lord delights in our joy in him. He delights in that because he knows that our joy is rooted in the thing that brought him greatest joy, which was rescuing for himself a people from every tribe, nation, and language to declare his great glory. This Psalm is teaching us how to reverence the Lord. I want to just put a table up on the screen, if you look at all the commands that are listed in this Psalm, it shows us, hey, how do I worship God? How do I give thanks to the Lord? How do I reverence Him? By making a joyful noise, serving Him with gladness, coming with singing, know that He is God, enter with thanksgiving, enter with praise, give thanks to Him, bless His name. And then why am I worshiping Him? Well, this Psalm teaches us it's because He made us. It's because we are his people. It's because the Lord is good. It's because his steadfast love endures forever. And it's because his faithfulness is to all generations. It's why we worship him. And it's why we worship him in all circumstances because the gospel is the unshakable foundation for our thanksgiving. so good God is so good God is 
is so good. He's so good to me. One more time. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. We're going to come to the Lord's table this morning because it's this meal that is a thanksgiving meal to what we owe our thanksgiving. The shed blood of Jesus for our sins and his broken body in our place. Hopefully you've received the elements. If you haven't, we're gonna stand and sing a short song. But here's how I want to, to just set us up for this. If we truly are a people who are giving him thanksgiving and the gospel is the unshakable foundation of our thanksgiving, then when we come to the Lord's Supper, it's not just a very somber, like, oh, let's be all calm and traditional and take this. This is actually an act of joy. It's okay to be serious. It's okay to reflect because the Bible teaches us to come to this table with a seriousness about whether we are in a right place with God. If you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not come to know him as your Lord and Savior, then this meal isn't really for you. It's for those who are on the bus. It's for those who have seen the goodness of Jesus Christ and want to taste it. But for those of us who are his, who are the sheep of his pasture, this is a celebratory meal. When you have confessed your sin, and now you're coming through the, through the blood of Jesus because we are righteous in him, not in our own works, we come to the meal, we say, thank you, Jesus, for the fact that there is no one to condemn me. The accuser has lost all of his power. Now we can take this meal with Jesus in his presence to remember our God and his work through Jesus on the cross, the gospel that is the unshakable foundation for our thanksgiving. Would you stand as they're passing out the elements? Let's just sing that one more time. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good, he's so good to me. Jesus was with his disciples on the night when he was betrayed, before he went to the cross. He said, this is my body. Eat this in remembrance of me. took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, you are so good. Thank you for this meal. Thank you that we have tasted and seen that you are good. 
Thank you for the hope that one day we will see it in a greater glory than we could ever imagine. And Lord, would you be praised? We give you thanks. All hail, King Jesus. Amen.